This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. So I talked to you earlier about the fact that I was really lucky to be able to interview Witty Hamaida. He's one of our greatest authors. He's the author of books such as The Whale Rider, uh, amongst many, many others, and a lot of books for schools that were hugely influential, short stories, particularly through the 1970s and 80s in our classrooms. One of our first Māori writers who actually, you know, wrote stories that seemed to bridge um, the gaps I guess, between understanding of uh, non-Māori and Māori and tell stories that resonated with people because of the essential humanity and at, at the core of everything. And after all, isn't that what it's all about? So he was due to be here as a guest for Hamilton Book Month. So uh, my caution is that the interview, we did it uh, a week or two ago in preparation for him speaking next week. So that's my disclaimer that we'll be talking about the event, but afterwards I'll update you as to what's actually happening with that. So this is an interview that I did with Witi Himaida, uh, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. It goes for about sort of 15 minutes or so. And here it is now. It's 24 minutes past eight right now. So kia ora everybody, I'm speaking today with Witi Himaida, one of our country's most celebrated and accomplished writers. With a career spanning 50 years, his short stories, novels and edited works are found in schools and homes and in libraries throughout Aotearoa and the world and include several film adaptations, one of the most famous being Well Rider in 2002. So um, from Waitahine, Gisborne, Witi Humaira is a writer, a diplomat, an academic, a teacher, a storyteller and he's coming to Kirikiriroa for, as a guest for Hamilton Book Month. Um, no my haramai, Witi, thank you for joining us on Free FM. Well, kia ora, Kate. Kia ora, kiri kiri roa. Um, I'm really um, looking forward to coming down to, to Hamilton. In fact, um, I now come down pretty regularly. I was down um, around about two years ago to put on um, an opera with, um, uh, with Janet Jennings and Tom Roa, and it was a, it was a kapahapa. Uh, meets um, meets opera and we had a great time so we're hoping to bring it back to Hamilton within the next couple of years. Oh, that would be fantastic and I understand you did some of your schooling in the Waikato. Well I did, I went <laughs> to a college there for, for three years until they threw me out so I'm one of those examples of someone that you can look at and you could say well if he can, if he can become a writer then so can we because when I look at my, my schooling, I was 18 by the time I, I left school and uh, it took me nine years to get through university. And my father, when I finally graduated, said to me, congratulations, witty, stop. Um, even the, uh, the tortoise didn't take this long. Oh. <laughs> Dads tell it like it is, don't they? Well, they do. So in many ways, I've been an enthusiastic amateur who actually wasn't really too sure about this writing business. Um, but my father said to me, well, you know, you want to be a shearer, but you're a left-hander, and I've, I haven't come across a left-handed shearer. You want to be a farmer, but hey, son, keep to writing because it beats digging in fence posts in the middle of winter. Well, that's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I like that advice. And I'm really looking forward to your session with uh, the chair, Elizabeth Kirkby McLeod, and you're going to be talking about your writing life and some of your memoirs and before we talk 
specifically about that event for um, Book Month. I wondered if you could tell us a bit about, because uh, you've already referenced your dad, and I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what memoir, I guess, means to you as a form of storytelling. Well, you know, New Zealand is an evolving culture, and, and as part of that, um, um, I tell what I call the Māori story within the New Zealand story. And other writers tell, uh, well, for instance, the Waikato story or the Gisborne story or the Wellington story. And I, I was fortunate when, when I grew up that um, telling the Māori story was an original and fresh approach to telling story in, um, in um, New Zealand. Um, as you know, Catherine Mansfield was probably um, the greatest uh, New Zealand short story writer that we have. And, and she said of New Zealand that she loved coming from New Zealand and that she wanted for one moment to, uh, to make New Zealand leap into the eyes of the old world. It must take the breath. It must appear as a floating. So all I've really ever done in my life is to do what Catherine Mansfield has done, and that is to try to make Māori um, culture leap into the eyes of New Zealand culture, and it, it must take the breath, it must, um, it must appear as if floating. So when I approach um, uh, um, the memoir, for instance, I try to tell people, try to make your work float, try to make it really something that is very, very special in terms of, of this evolving culture of ours. Try to tell the story of New Zealand. Try to tell your own story. But at the same time, tell the story of your community, of your mums and dads, of your uncles and aunties, of your, um, your brothers and sisters, and why it is that their lives were significant. It's beautiful, really, and I think in that sense of getting people to to bring what they have to a collective, I guess, literature about our country. And I think a lot of the um, the early stories that you wrote were, were hugely significant for people. Um, thinking back to, you know, your earlier work, for, it was often their first introduction to work written by Māori and, and featuring Māori. Did you, did you realise, I guess, at the time how important... Punamu Punamu was going to be for, for readers? No, I didn't. I mean, I, I honestly didn't really um, know whether or not this was a career I wanted to get into because of um, the public nature and uh, um, the fact that uh, people would be looking at me because <laughs> I was a very, very shy person. But, um, I, you know, I love that book. I wrote about my, my grandmother, Nanny Minnie, in it in a game of cards. I wrote about my sisters and brothers playing hockey together on the same field as, as the cows were and the sheep were. I, I, I wrote about my uncles and aunties and, and growing up within that community. And in many ways, um, you can have a look at my work um, subsequently. In Bully Busher, King of the Gypsies, for instance, comes uh, from one of the stories um, in uh, Ponamu Ponamu, and The Whale Rider actually also comes from one of the stories in, um, in Ponamu Ponamu. So I always look at it as my, my green print rather than my blueprint. And I still go back to it because one of the most important things for a writer, of course, is to maintain the, uh, the clarity and the purity of your voice and maintain the clarity and the purity and assurance of your, of, of your talent. And I guess I've get, gotten to this age, and what I tell people is that um, the words just come on up now and they come up without hitting the sides. So 
my body is now attuned to writing. So I'm going to keep on writing for another 20 years, whether or not people like it. <laughs> well, that's great news for us. And so the, the float that you described earlier is now just happening completely, uh, completely instinctively for you in that those stories, as they float to the surface. Um, yes. So when I'm teaching, because I, I will be teaching as well, and so I'm at that age now where I want to not only tell people about uh, my own work, uh, which I'll be doing in that session uh, with Elizabeth, but also um, showing them how to do it. So uh, floating your work onto the page is, is, is a really uh, important um, technical ability um, that you need um, as a writer. Uh, the thing about writing is that what people see, which is the words, are only one-third of, of the whole compass of the words. There's another two-thirds, what, what they call under the line. So um, the words that people read are above the line. Um, what they don't read, the, uh, the two-thirds of the iceberg um, below the line, um, that um, enables the words to float above the line. So at that session, that's what I'll be talking about how you can stabilize your work, how you can float it, and how you, how you can give it meaning and direction and resonance and a backstory and a front story and all of those things. I'm sure I'm going to bewilder everybody because actually being a writer is, a, is like being a technician and you have to, you have to know as much as you can, um, uh, um, like being an engineer or an architect. I once had a, um, a friend of mine, um, the architect Douglas Cardinal, and he was the one who put me onto this idea that being a writer is exactly about like being an architect. Um, you have to construct your work, you have to um, um, grow it from an idea, you have to put it onto a really good foundation, and then you have to float it above that foundation. And, uh, and he said that every time you start thinking of a project, then it is already starting to exist in the future. So the only way I have been able to get through all of this is, is to remember what Douglas has said and, and, and say to myself, well, the work is already existing in the future, so all I have to do is write my way towards it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderfully optimistic way of thinking about it. You know, it's, it's, it's already there, therefore it's just my task to craft um, my platform and to 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 pull the stories out. <laughs> I, Absolutely, it's, it's a really that's a beautiful optimistic way to look at it, and it's going to be a real treat for people doing that workshop. And do you think there's any advantages over telling those stories? Thinking about the genesis of many of your stories being traced back to um, or to Waitahi, isn't it? To your iwi, but to are there any? Um, what advantages does telling stories as creative memoir have, do you think, over just, say, straight autobiograph, um, autobiographical oh boy, oh writing? Boy. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what freedoms or limits, you know, what does it give you? Well, um, first of all, you know, when you're writing fiction, then you can pretend that you are not the person, you know, in the novel or you're not the person in the short story. So when it comes to memoir, you are that person. You can't hide anymore behind the fiction. So, first of all, you've got to, you know, you've got to really say to yourself, do I like myself enough <laughs> to, 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 to foist myself on, um, on another, uh, an, uh, on a reader? And I have a friend, Vincent O'Sullivan, and I said to, Vince, to him, Vincent, why aren't you writing your own memoir? And he said to me, well, it's because I don't think I like the fellow I'll be writing about. So, <laughs> so you, you, you have to be very confident um, that you have a story to tell 
you have to be confident about what that story is going to be. But my secret was that I then realized that I wasn't just telling my story, but I was telling the story of everybody else in my life. And as some of um, some of your um, uh, your listeners will know, when we're at school, we have a lot of friends at school. And the fact is that if we don't write about them, if we don't memorialize them, they cease to exist. So all my life, all I have tried to do is memorialize the people in my life because I loved them to bits and I wanted them to 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 always exist. So one of the um, the exercises that I'll be giving uh, the class uh, when we meet for the um, the session um, on creative writing is to ask them. Think of all of the friends that you went uh, to school uh, with um, as if it was a class photograph. Now, write about six of them. What did they look like? What were they like? Who were they? So that's one. Another one, which is really at the the basis of, of all memoir, is I'm going to ask them a question, who are you? And get them to write about who they are. And then I'm going to ask them again, no, who are you so as you can tell from my intonation the second question which is exactly the same words will ask them to go deeper into themselves into that kind of self that is private and try to come up with that kind of honesty because that's the most difficult thing in memoir is to be honest with yourself is to go deeper than you might even want to and so that deepness resonates in both of the memoir that I've, uh, I've written um, uh, Māori Boy and Native Son and to be frank I mean I when, when I when I finished the first one I thought to myself why am I doing this I've already lived my life once why do I want to live it the second time but that is what writing the memoir is all about writing your life as if you are living it um, the second time. And uh, don't, uh, don't um, be at all anxious about that, but do know that it will come up with surprises that you never, ever thought of. I think that's a, um, a really astute observation about um, almost thinking about the vulnerability of that form of writing. You know, I, I heard it described recently as being one of the most vulnerable forms of writing memoir. And so, as you say, you're reliving it, but you're also confronting things that maybe you you, you weren't going to have on the included. You know, the um, but you can't be always selective because you still need to to be true to the story and be true to all of the people around. And you know what, Kate? It all happens in the moment of writing. It's no good just thinking about it and, say, and saying to yourself, oh, I think I'll write about this. It comes out in the moment of writing. So, for instance, Janet Frame um, said that she didn't have a memory uh, for, um, uh, for um, her, her life. But what happened was that in the moment of writing, she remembered things that she otherwise would not have, have thought about. So... Spontaneous combustion is, a, is, is about a lot of uh, what um, uh, the memoir is. And spontaneous combustion has been part of my whole writing career. I mean, I've been spontaneously combusting all over the place. <laughs> um, I've got a, um, a movie which you might be interested in uh, down there in Waikato. Um, it's of um, a novella that I wrote with Hemi Kelly, and it's called Sleep Standing, about the Battle of Ordaco. So at the moment, um, my friend Robin Scholes and I are teaming up with Tom Roar and Robbie um, Neha 
um, in, uh, down there in the Waikato to try to get um, a film project uh, called that underway. And I've already mentioned Janet Jennings and um, um, uh, um, Flying Water. And uh, so we're hopeful you know, to, to be putting um, that back on again. So, you know, a long time ago, my father said to me, you know, Witty, I went to Waikato and I was playing tennis and this lady came up to me and her name was Princess Tapuya and she looked at me and she said to me, oh, do you want to come and stay with me here in Ngaruawahia? So, Witty, if I had stayed um, in, in, in Waikato, you could have been a Waikato boy. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I, I have a lot of affection for that story and, oh, yeah. and well, with that linkage to Waikato. Such an important story, too, to tell. And there's been, um, I think, a, you know, a, a great um, and heartening focus on looking at history and, and looking at some of the events that have taken place and challenging our assumptions and our established systems yep. and so that know, history is doesn't exciting. have to be history doesn't have to be that public and that's where the memoir which is private history fills in the gaps you know we have all of these political histories and and public histories but they don't really tell us what people on the street felt like what farmers felt like when i wrote bully busher king of the gypsies that was the first a novel about a farming community and about sharers. So you can find significance in insignificant lives. And even, like my mother, my mother used to say to me, because she hated me writing about the family, and she said to me, why are you, why are you already always picking on us, Whitty? Why don't you pick on somebody else? Why, why don't you write um, stories about kings and queens and princes and princesses and rich people like I read about in the Australian Women's Weekly or the New Zealand Women's Weekly. And I said to her, you know, Mum, I don't know any kings or queens. I don't know any princes or princesses. But I do know you and Dad, and you're the king and queen of my life. And I do know my sisters and brothers, and they're the princes and princesses. And and I don't know rich people, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, you and Dad, and my and, and all of the family that I've, I've come from, they have given me this huge richness. So in that memoir session and in my talks, what I will be saying to people is look, at, look to your own families, look to your own stories, look to the private record, be honest about that private record, love what you're doing, and then put it all on the page so that the rest of the world can see that the people you're writing about are not forgotten. Well, I'm so pleased that you have um, done that for the last 50 years, Witty, and that we have your body of work to enjoy and, um, you know, to teach and to read. And uh, it's been a great privilege to talk with you today. Thank you so much for your time. We're really looking forward to hearing from you for Hamilton Book Month. Namahi um, nui, noho ora mai. Kia ora, Kate. Thanks for being with us. So that uh, was Witty Etemaida there uh, speaking with me a couple of weeks ago. So Hamilton Book Month, um, he's a wonderful man, isn't he? Uh, the the fact of encouragement, the stories are already there. It's just your job to pull them out and to write about your family to your aunties, memorialise the people in your life. I think that's so true, even if you're just writing it in a very small way or if you are trying to write it for publication so uh, we talked quite a bit during that about the workshop that he was going to run so Hamilton Book Month have put a note up on their Facebook page events postponed were the um, 
the Wine Writers, which would have been last night, the Literary Salon, the Speculative Fiction Workshop, Witty Hamida uh, Memoir Writing Workshop. So at that stage, it's just those five events. Once they know when the lockdown will end, they'll confirm venue availability and they'll let people know the new dates. In the meantime, if you've got any queries, uh, if you've registered for any events, you should have an email already from the team at Hamilton Book Months. But if you've got any queries, email Hamilton Book Months, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com or just check out their Facebook page, Hamilton Book Month, or they also have a website. So I know Catherine and Gail, the two organisers of Hamilton Book Months, they're a formidable team. They'll be working very hard to make things work. But of course, at the moment, there's some things that we just don't know. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.